Uh, thanks for being here today. It's July, so we're not used to having like big crowds in the room, but it's really encouraging for me to see what the Lord is doing at Genesis Church. And uh, I want to say thank you for being here. Thanks for uh, taking some of your time this summer to join us. This is really weird because if you don't know kind of the history of what usually happens in church is that uh, Memorial Day, people go away and they come back in September. And uh, so that's been true for millennia, I think, really, since the first church in, in uh, Jerusalem. They looked around and said, where is everybody? Oh, they're out boating uh, this summer. And, um, but it's been crazy to see what the Lord is doing here, and our church continues to grow, and especially this service, like the 1030 service, has seen incredible steady growth since, really, since uh, before Easter. And uh, that's, I want to talk to you about that, because What's happening is, I almost got booed off the stage this morning, but I'm going to tell you that in, in three weeks, school starts for Noblesville. I, I don't make the calendar, people. I'm just telling you what, I'm just helping you face reality. But what that means is, here's what that means. Our 1030 service has been growing, growing, and growing, and usually when it starts to grow is when school's back in session. And so um, my excitement is tempered by a little bit of fear that right now our 1030 service is growing. We don't even have Gen Kids programming at this service. And I can't imagine what families would be doing if we had Gen Kids at 1030. What we'd love to do is in the next few weeks be able to staff our Gen Kids programming uh, so that starting in, uh, when school starts, we'd be able to have gen, full Gen Kids programming, two services. But I'm going to need your help. I know that we're all still traveling, probably more than ever, uh, after not being able to travel last year. I know that um, Hamilton County has an incredible brunch scene. I know that you hate to miss out on. Um, and uh, some of you have boats. Uh, if so, uh, come see me after the service. I'll give you my phone number. And, but here's the thing. Seriously, uh, we need you. If you have been around for a while and you're looking for a place to step in or you really want to help get connected, we could use you in Gen Kids. We need 35 to 40 new volunteers to make Gen Kids happen for 1030 service. And so uh, we all have about 720 hours in a month. And there's so many ways that we can spend that time, but I've got to tell you, I can't think of a more rewarding, uh, meaningful, and eternally uh, important way to spend two of those 720 hours a month than investing in our kids and helping kids find their way back to God. So if you want to be a part of that, we'd love to have you. Uh, you can come see me after the service, see Leah Golland. You guys got to meet Leah last week. She's in the back of the room. You got to meet her. She's our new Gen Kids director. She's doing a fabulous job. And so... See, that's not just me. That's your volunteers. These are all Gen Kids people. And so I know a lot of you here at the 1030 service just served in Gen Kids, so I'm not asking you to do more. I had the same talk to the nine o'clock service. But here's the thing too. The other thing is if you feel like you're having a hard time getting connected, serving in one of our ministries is a great way to get connected. You'll meet lots of friends that will be your friends for life. That's not a promise, um, but I think, it, I think it's true. I think it's true. Uh, we're gonna talk about friendships today. Um, and I'm excited to talk about this. I think I might be uniquely equipped because as of this morning, I have 1,413 friends. <clears throat> At least that's what Facebook tells me. Uh, but did you know that Facebook friends are not necessarily real friends? You may know that. Uh, and I'm talking from a legal perspective, from a strictly legal perspective. The courts have determined that Facebook friends are not really friends. Here's what happened. There was a court case in Florida uh, that was brought up in 2019 where the judge was Facebook friends with one of the attorneys. And so the other attorney tried to get that judge to recuse himself because 
they were friends, he has a vested interest, and that case went all the way to the Florida Supreme Court. Of course, it happened in Florida, right? But uh, it went all the way to the Florida Supreme Court where the Supreme Court determined that a Facebook friend is not a real friend. Here's uh, the, ju the judgment said this, a Facebook friend may or may not be a friend in the traditional sense of the word, Chief Justice Charles Candidate wrote for the majority, but Facebook friendship is not as a categorical matter the functional equivalent of a traditional friendship. So if Facebook friends aren't necessarily your real friends, then what is a friend? What does it mean to be a friend and why are friendships even important? Well, I do think friendships are important. Uh, Self-help author, author Jim Rohn says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Maybe you've heard that. Uh, or as one of my favorite philosophers, my dad used to say, uh, you are who you run with, right? So it's important who we hang out with. The, the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of friendships too. And one of my all-time favorites comes from a verse that we have shared with our kids since they were old enough to listen. And it's this one, Proverbs 13, 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Well, this year we're reading through the Bible together as a church. We're doing uh, a series we're calling Planted. It's all year long. And today is day 192. We are in the book of Ezekiel, I think around... Ezekiel chapter 20, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't done my reading today, but somewhere around there. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're new or you're just stepping into this, uh, there's a couple ways you can join us. You can download the Read Scripture app. It's available on the Apple Store or on uh, Android. And you can go to that day, Ezekiel 20, I think Psalm 36. Every day is a reading from the Old Testament and a psalm. And uh, you can join us there. Or you can go to genesischurch.me and you can find the planted page and you can find the reading plan there. But either way, no matter how you do it, if you jump in, don't like go back to Genesis and try to start and catch up. That would be too hard, okay? There's, there's a lot that you've missed, uh, but there's a lot going forward that uh, the Bible has for us. And so I'm excited about that. But we've, this summer, we've been spending a lot of time uh, in the wisdom books. We've been talking through Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. And uh, really, we've been spending a lot of time in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs is great. We're staying in Proverbs today. Uh, Proverbs, the author, who is, is, is a, a father who's passing along wisdom to his son. And uh, Proverbs has a lot to say about the difference between wise and foolish. You know, Steve uh, Davis was here a few weeks ago. He talked about the different themes that run through Proverbs. This is one of them, the wise and the foolish. So here's some things that Proverbs has to say about the wise and the foolish. Proverbs 3.35 says, The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. If you were going to have an inheritance, honor would be better than shame. Would you agree? And so you'd rather be wise than be foolish. Uh, Proverbs 10.1 says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Now, ladies, I'm sorry, I don't understand why the moms get the grief and the fathers get the joy. I didn't write it, okay? I'm just reading it. Uh, but still, I think you'd agree that joy is better than grief. Proverbs 10.8 says, The wise in heart accept commands, right? So they're obedient, they're faithful, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. That's not a good thing for fools. And finally, Proverbs 11.29 says, The fool will be servant to the wise. So I think you would agree it's better to be wise than to be a fool. But my favorite one and the most useful one, the one I'm basing this message on again is Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, let me tell you why this is my favorite one. It gives us a choice to make and then it gives us the consequence of each of those choices, right? We can either walk with the wise 
And if so, we'll become wise. Or we can be a companion of fools and we'll suffer harm. Now, this is really good because I've uh, told my kids for years that there are only two things we have to do in life. We have to make choices and we have to live with the consequences of those choices. For all of us, that's all we have to do. And this scripture says, here is your choice. You can walk with the wise or you can be a companion of fools. If you walk with the wise, here's what you'll do. If you're a companion of fools, here's what you do. And again, as we've said throughout this series, you know, Proverbs are the accumulated wisdom of God's people passed down through the generations. And as such, they're, they're kind of probabilities, right? The, the odds are, if you do it this way, if you live this way, this is how it's going to be. They're intended to give us practical lessons for life. Uh, and so they're probabilities. But really, aren't all consequences probabilities? I mean, isn't it true that sometimes you get away with something that you probably shouldn't? Uh, sometimes the rule has an exception, and that's what makes it the rule. I mean, we should probably cut back on saying always and never to our kids because the one time they find that exception, they'll stop to believe us, right? And so isn't it true that winners sometimes quit? And isn't it true that cheaters sometimes prosper? And is it really true that the best way to spread Christmas cheer could be singing loud for all to hear? We don't know that for a fact, right? So Proverbs are more like probabilities. And this one says that it's a good probability that if you walk with wise people, if you hang around with wise friends, if you uh, stick, a lot, stick around with people who are making wise decisions, then you'll become wise. But if you have fools for friends, you'll suffer harm. Now, I want to make this clear that the Proverbs do, proverb doesn't say that if you hang out with fools, you'll become a fool. Because sometimes that's the response that I get when I share this Proverbs with someone. Usually it's one of my children hey, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. And I might hear, dad, I'm not going to do anything dumb. That's not what the proverb says. It doesn't say for a companion of fools becomes a fool. It says a companion of fools suffers harm. And this is really important because we all know, we all have stories of people that we would generally consider good people or wise people that hung out with the wrong crowd. And as a result, they suffered harm, right? Did you know people like that? In fact, I asked this question on my Facebook page of my 1,413 Facebook friends and said, what, what's something that's happened to you because you hung out with the wrong crowd? And I got all kinds of answers, everything from uh, car accidents to ending up in rehab to ending up in jail to getting an atomic wedgie. And so the consequences can be steep. The probability is if you hang around with people doing dumb stuff, you're going to end up getting caught in it. Now, as I say that, I want to talk to specifically to students in the room. Those of you who are students, especially if you're in middle school going into high school, if you're in high school going into college, or if you just graduated from college and now you're starting life on your own, I want to say this. This is particularly important for you because you are getting ready to make a new set of friends that are probably gonna be your friends for the next phase of your life. I know we all thought that the friends we had in high school, we're gonna be friends forever, but as someone who's a few years out of high school now, I can tell you that's not true. That the friends you make at the next stage of your life are the friends that are probably gonna stick with. And, and even though you're in this place where you're a little bit wiser than you were as a child, okay? You're a little bit smarter. You're less inclined to make bad decisions if you're in high school or college, you're also at a stage where your bad decisions have bigger consequences. And so the friends that you hang out with, the friends that you choose now are going to have a lot of influence over what you do over the next few years. So I just want to encourage you. Scripture says it's important to hang out with wise friends. 
And here's why. Because we all do dumb stuff sometimes. I mean, even good people make bad decisions. Maybe I should say it this way. Even wise people make foolish decisions. All right, every once in a while, even someone who should know better, we make dumb decisions. We do it from time to time. There's usually a few reasons that I can think of why wise people make foolish decisions. One, we do it because we're immature. There's an area of our life that we just don't understand, we haven't been exposed to, we don't have any experience in. Uh, I'm generally a wise person, but I just don't know anything about that. I'm immature in that area, and so I make a dumb decision. Uh, the second reason is fatigue. When we're tired, we tend to make worse decisions. We eat the whole pizza. We drink the whole bottle of wine. We are ready to go to bed and we just want to spend 15 minutes on TikTok, but it's five in the morning before we know it, right? We make bad decisions when we're tired. Fatigue does that. Three, pride. Pride is a reason we make poor decisions. We think we know better than anybody else. We're not going to suffer the same consequences. We're not going to have to live through the things that my parents lived through, that my friends lived through. It's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to get caught. We're too proud to learn from other people's mistakes. Pride causes us to make bad decisions. And the fourth one, and the one I want to focus on, is something I call DUI, decisions under the influence. Right? We're under the influence of the people around us. We're surrounded by fools who are making dumb decisions, and we really, really want to fit in. And this last one, DUI, decisions under the influence. This is why we have to have wise friends because we're more and more inclined to do the same things that the people that we're hanging around do. And walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fool suffers harm. Well, if having the wrong friends can, choose you, can, can lead you to make wrong decisions, can cause you to suffer harm, why should we ha even have friends at all? I mean, wouldn't it just be easier if we just shut our door, hung out in our room, never interacted with anybody, and then I'm only going to make my own decisions and I'm not going to be influenced by anybody. The outside world's not going to have anything to say about me. No, you need friends. You are made for friendship. You are made for community. And think back to the very beginning of the Bible. Go back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. God creates. God, we, we see this God who's a creator, and he makes the, 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 the sky and the land, and he makes the water, and he makes the plants and the animals. Everything he makes, he looks around, and he says, that's good. God declares everything he made good. But there's one thing in the beginning of the Bible that God declared was not good. Do you know what that is? you remember that? It was when he looked at the man he had made, and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. The man was made, people were made for community. We were made for friendship. We, we can't do life alone. We need friends. And because we need friends, I thought I'd tell you about three specific kinds of friends that all of us need in our lives. Right? Uh, there are three kinds of friends we all need in our lives. One, we all need an encourager. We need someone who's got our back. I hope you have that one person in your life that you know no matter what happens, no matter what you do, you can count on them for encouragement, okay? So I have a few people who when I get finished preaching on stage on a Sunday, if I think that wasn't very good, um, and you're already thinking that, I, I've got people that I can go to, they're going to tell me that was a really good message. I really needed that. And uh, I know they're not telling me the truth, but I don't need truth in that moment, all right? You're, you're liars, and I love you for it. Thank you so much. Um, in those tough moments in your life, sometimes you're not looking for the truth. You need someone who you know is going to encourage you. Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy once said, how can you tell if a person needs encouragement if they're breathing? Right? We all need encouragement. We all need a friend who's an encourager. Parents, more than any other kind of friend, this is the kind of friend you need to be for your kids. I'm convinced that uh, the other two are really important, 
but uh, especially if you are a teacher or a coach and you end up with your child in your class or on your team, I want to tell you, you need to be an encourager for your child. You need to coach your kid differently than you coach other kids. Now, I'm not telling you to give them more playing time or to treat them like they're better or to treat them like they're worse. You don't want to do that. But you need to be intentional about encouraging your child because here's the thing. They're going to have a lot of coaches in their life. They're going to have a lot of teachers, but they're only going to have one mom. They're only going to have one dad, and they need to know that you're on their side, right? So we all need that encourager in our lives. Uh, We all need a challenger in our lives. That's the second kind of friend we need. We we need someone who's going to ask tough questions. They're going to call you out when you make a bad decision, but they're not a critic, okay? They're not someone who's just there to pick you apart and tear you down because they're always going to tell you when you get it right as well. You know, you got that friend that when your phone rings, you look at it and you go, I don't think I have this in me right now, right? We got that friend. That's not the challenger. That's a life sucker. You don't need that person in your life, okay? But you need a challenger. A challenger is someone who, when they call, you might be nervous about picking up the phone, but if you are, it's because you know you got it wrong and you know they're gonna call you out on it and you probably need that. You need that kind of conflict in your life. Proverbs 27, 17 says it this way, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, if you've ever been to a blacksmith shop or you've seen this process, you know that iron sharpening iron is not a pretty process. It's not a real smooth, clean uh, thing that happens. It's not like somebody comes up to you and says, you know what, you were wrong in that moment. You go, oh, you're right. I was wrong. I'm so thankful that you brought that to my attention and help for helping me see that, right? That's not iron sharpening iron. Iron sharpening iron is banging on something over and over again, and it's uncomfortable, and it's ugly, and then eventually you get to the point. And uh, challengers do that for us. Challengers challengers sharpen us. They're the ones that keep us sharp. Challengers uh, also are the ones that help you have a bigger perspective on things. A challenger might say something to you like this. Hey, in the light of eternity, how important is this? Right, that's a challenger. They'll do that for us. A hundred years from now, is this really gonna matter? That's the kind of questions. We need them in our lives. The third kind of friend, so we need an encourager, we need a challenger, we also need advisors, Advisor is the third kind of friend. It's someone who's been there, uh, who's been where we are, and they've lived to tell about it. If you're a parent, the advisor probably has older kids than you have. If you're in a relationship, the advisor's been married longer than you have. If you uh, want a career or have a career, the advisor's been in it, and they've done it, and they've done it longer than you have. If, if you're finding your way back to God, that advisor has the faith that you admire, uh, that you want to model yourself after, that you look up to them and want that kind of faith. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You need a friend in your life who's an advisor. They're further along the path than you are. They're wiser, they're more knowledgeable, and they probably have more gray hair than you do. So we all need these three kinds of friends. We need an encourager, a challenger, and an advisor. Now, I want to tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you agree that it's important that you have these kinds of friends in your life, um, you need to be those kinds of friends for people. You need to have those friends in your life that you can challenge, that you can encourage, that you can advise. And so if you need those kinds of friends, then you need to go be a friend for people, right? Ralph Waldo Emerson said the best way to have a friend is to be one. And so what does it mean to be a good friend? Well, there's some things that I think we can pull out of Scripture, uh, some ways that we can be a good friend. I've got three of them. You might be able to come up with more. But the first one is this, to be considerate. Be considerate means that you 
show that you care, you really care about other people. You listen to their problems. You take genuine interest in the things they're interested in. If you have teenagers or have had teenagers in your life, you probably went through this process of teaching them to have conversations with their friends. And it's really awkward at first. You might get something like, uh, well, how can I be a friend of this person? You say, well, go ask them about their day. How was your day? Okay. It's a really awkward conversation, right? We've got to ask the next question. You've got to be interested in what they're interested in. Uh, I, I have to tell you, our society has made most conversation, most communication uh, about one way. I think about all the social media apps that we use, things like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat, and they're all designed to broadcast information about you, right? You take your picture and you post it or you put it on your story. You take your video and you put it out there for other people to see. And it's not really very good. Social media is not really very good at getting us to listen to other people, which means that if you're going to be considerate, you're going to be a good friend, you got to get your hands dirty. You got to get down in the, in the weeds and, and ask real questions and talk face to face with somebody or, or text them or call them and have those conversations. What do they love? What drives them crazy? What are they afraid of? What's important to them? What are they feeling right now? Now, if all that sounds a little touchy-feely to you, I get it, all right? I understand. Men, you might feel like you're a little too manly for all that squishy stuff, but I want to tell you something. The Living Bible, Proverbs 19, says that kindness makes a man attractive, and we all want to be attractive, don't we, guys? We all want to be attractive, and attractiveness means that we are considerate, that we care about other people, that we're kind to people. Yes, you can get together and watch the game or... Yes, you can finish that bottle of wine together. Yes, you can play pickleball. That's great. That's all good stuff. But if you're not talking about the deep matters of the heart, like what's your end game? What, what's so important about that? What's the point of that? A true friend knows what's going on in your life. I love what the Apostle Paul said about love. And we use this passage at weddings so many times that we can forget it's about all kinds of love and the love of a friend uh, Paul says, can be like this. First uh, Corinthians 13 says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. And that's the kind of friends we should all aspire to be. We should all aspire to be considerate and caring about one another, being patient, being kind, and not boasting and not being proud, not dishonoring others, and not easily angered and keeping no record of wrongs because caring for others, being considerate, is a good way to be a friend. Second way to be a friend is to be consistent. To be consistent, we all want that true friend that we know is always there, that they're checking in on us on a regular basis, that you, they're on your side, absolutely on your side when things are good, but we know that when things are bad, they're still going to be there too. Right? We need that person in our lives. I mean, you want to know who your true friends are? Make a mistake. <laughs> Make a big mistake and see who's still standing there, right? Uh, we all need that friend who's constantly checking in with us. I think one of the biggest barriers in our society to real friendship is busyness. We're so busy, we just don't have time to check in and see how our friends are doing. I, I got to tell you, if you're too busy to check in on your friends, you're too busy. You want to have real friends. You got to want to be a friend. You got to be consistent. And finally, a third way I can see to be a good friend is to be confidential. Friends should be able to share their deepest secrets with one another and not hear about them later from somewhere else, right? Or in the words of the great Don Amigo from Pawnee, Indiana, uh, snitches get stitches. 
Don't tell people other people's secrets. Or maybe scripture says it better. It says it like this. A gossip, Proverbs eleven thirteen. a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. I think many of us have friendships that we've, have lost friendships because of loose lips. Right? A true friend won't betray your confidence. They'll keep it confidential. Again, Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, in my mind, this leaves one question, all right? Everything we talk about, there's one question that's still left, and it's this. Uh, this is one that I really wrestled with over the past couple of weeks. Does this mean that I can't have unwise friends? I mean, does this mean there, if there are people I care about that are making dumb decisions or people that are in my life that haven't found their way back to God yet, and I'm a follower of Jesus, does that mean we just abandon them, not hang out, that we get them out of our lives? Well, no, that's not what it means. But this is really important. We have to ask this question of all of our friendships and all of our relationships. Who is the spiritual leader in this friendship? Who is the spiritual leader in this friendship? When we're dealing with uh, an uneven, an imbalance in our relationships, okay? Uh, I am wiser than you. Uh, I am a follower of Jesus and you're not. Uh, when we're partnered unevenly, or the Bible might say unevenly yoked, there's a question that we have to ask. Who is the leader in this friendship? In other words, when I'm with those friends, do they take their cue from me or do I take my cue from them? Like, do we usually end up doing the stuff that they want to do? Or do we usually end up doing the stuff that I want to do? Are we doing, if they're making foolish decisions, do they suck me in and I end up making foolish decisions? Or am I usually able to talk them out of it and we do something wiser when I'm around there? Because here's the thing, even if you're wise, even if you're a good person, okay, even if your intentions are good, the Bible says that if you hang out with fools, you will eventually suffer harm. That's the probability. It's a good probability that will happen. And so if you can lead in those relationships, right? If they'll take your advice, if they listen to you, if they take your encouragement, if they uh, will let you be the spiritual leader in that friendship, uh, it's really, really important for you to be around those friends, to have friends that are unwise, to, to have friends who aren't followers of Jesus. They need you in their life. They need your wisdom. They need your leadership. They need your friendship. Not because they're a project. Friends aren't a project. Okay, people are never a project. I want you to hear me say that again. People are not a project. People are people. They're awesome creations endowed by their creator with his spirit and his energy. They're, they're, they're given to us. They're, they're people that Jesus died for on the cross, even if they don't know it yet. All right? Friends are people, and people are created in God's image, every one of them. They're not projects, but they need your wisdom. They need your guidance. They need you to be a person who's an, a challenger and an encourager and advisor. They need you to be a good friend. And, uh, but if you find yourself in a position of like always playing the follower, and when you're around those friends, you're always doing the dumb stuff that fools do, and you're doing the things that make your spidey sense tingle. Maybe here's another way to say it. If you find yourself around your friends doing things that you don't want your parents to find out about, or your kids to find out about, or your significant other to find out about, then you probably need to stop hanging out with those friends. And even if they're good friends, you might have to have a really hard conversation that's like this, hey, I love you, you're an important friend to me, 
but we're not good for each other. When we're around one another, I see these patterns in our relationship, and we've got to do something about that. You have to have a really tough conversation. And one more thing, and then uh, I want to share about you, and then I'll close, is about wise and foolish friends. If you want to be the best kind of friend, like the wisest kind of friend, uh, say you want to be an encourager, a challenger, and an advisor for somebody. Maybe you want to learn to be more considerate, to be more consistent, to be more confidential with your friends. If that's true, there is no better way to do that than to spend more time with Jesus. In John 15, uh, Jesus, near the end of his ministry, he was talking with his disciples, and he, called, he said this. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. And Jesus is a real friend. And he's alive and living today. He's, you can talk with them, and he's all those things. He's an encourager, he's a challenger, he's an advisor. He is uh, considerate and consistent and confidential. Uh, he calls you friend. And you can spend time with him. You can read his word. You can pray to him. You can worship him. You might say you could spend time abiding in him. And if you do that, he will teach you everything that he learned from his father about wisdom and about friendship. And you will become wise. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We are in awe of you and your, that you are a friend to us, that you call us friends. Uh, God, that is just overwhelming that the God who created the universe, who created us, would call us friends. God, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for all of us in this room right now that we're your friends. Uh, and I pray that you would teach us and continue to help us to learn what it means to be wise and to be a wise friend. Lord, as we abide in you, as we read your word, as we pray to you, would you help us to uh, be better friends, to be wiser. And God, in those places in our lives where those relationships are a little bit sticky and we don't quite know what to do, we're going to count on you to guide us and to lead us in those. Lord, when we have friendships where they're causing us to make poor decisions, would you give us a way out of those? Would you help us to find a way where we can lovingly but firmly say, no, thank you. I don't need to be in this friendship. Lord, for our friends who don't know you, who are finding their way back to you, would you give us the boldness and the courage to say, hey, there's something in my life I want to tell you about, and God has made a real difference in my life, and I think he can make a difference in yours too. And Father, we just uh, want to see people make wise choices. We want to see people find their way back to you, and we want to be a part of that in any way that we can. So Lord, use us. Help us to make wise decisions. Help us to have wise friends and help us to bring around us people who are finding their way back to you and will find their way back to you. And as a result, they'll make wise decisions. Lord, uh, help us speak into the lives of our friends who are making foolish decisions. And maybe we can be that wise friends for, some, for someone else. And when you do that, we will give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.